Hello! Please let me see your ticket stubs for the Double Edge Double Bill, where you get two film and or media discussions for the price of one, which is nothing. Adam Thomas and Thomas Mariani will come to the table to randomly select the yin and yang of a double feature. One will have two good movies, the other two bad ones. Both will have to pick a number between 1 and 10 in order to seal their fates for each episode. Let the chaos begin. I am Santa Claus. <laughs> no, I'm Thomas Mariani. I'm, uh, I'm confused. <laughs> I, I gotta tell you this, Adam, Santa isn't real. What? I, I know. I, I gotta lay down gently about this. He's not real. I'm sorry. I'm not so you, sorry. man. Not you. I'm Adam Thomas. Yeah, of course you are, Adam Thomas. And uh, in case you couldn't tell, our topic for the week is um, in honor of the holiday season. I know, oh, it's early in December, Thomas. You're gonna do Christmas now? Well, one, it's all holidays are considered here. This is our holidays episode. And two... Um, we wanted to have more opportunity for anyone to listen to holiday stuff the whole month. Yeah, we'll go with that. That's that's why we're doing it, yeah. It's not like we had nothing to do, because <laughs> the first week of December doesn't have much in terms of modern releases we could tie something to. It's got, yeah, it's got nothing. It's, it's <laughs> weird where it's like the, the huge wave of Oscar and big movies come out Thanksgiving, and then they just take a break before right before mm-hmm. Christmas when they have a bunch of other things. Yeah, it's it's like a dead zone. Yeah, it's it's the calm before the bigger storm of holiday season movies that'll right. be coming. And by the way, this month it's weird how like within the span of two weeks, like eight major releases come out, <laughs> like big I know it's releases. Crazy. There's big movies coming out, man. But uh, until then, we are just going to do our holiday episode this week. If this is your first episode, each week Adam and I come to the table with two movies that we only know are based around our topic, and we switch up on quality. I have two good movies that are based around holiday movies of some sort of winter holidays, and Adam has two bad ones. We each pick a number between 1 and 10 from numbers that we assign for our different picks, and whichever one gets closest to those numbers we assigned ends up being our both good and bad feature. And we also want to keep in mind we did open this up to not just holiday films but also tv specials potentially potentially yes. and uh speaking of that potential adam uh pick a number between one and ten for my two good choices oh god all right uh, uh seven okay at number eight i had a tv special but one that i don't oh. think gets discussed enough the 1977 jim henson production emmett otter's jug band christmas wow Okay, yeah. I don't know if I've ever seen that. Wait, a, okay, I'm excited for that one. We'll uh, get into that in a bit. Uh, though my choice at number two that I had was, I think, another underrated one, but far more recent, the Ardman production, Arthur Christmas. I also never seen that one. It's one of their CG so, ones, okay. but it's it's quite good. I would recommend that to anybody out there. For your two bad choices, I'm going to go with the number four. At number two, which is strangely relevant to our last episode, the Bill Goldberg starring Santa Slay. Okay, I've heard of this. I have never oh, seen it. Oh, you're about to really hate me. Well, uh, what was your other choice? Santa Claus the Movie starring Dudley Moore. I would have had a lot more fun, because I actually kind of like how awful that movie is. Look, any movie where John Lithgow plays an over-the-top corporate business executive is classic. It's uh, yes, I agree. But uh, I will say Santa Claus the movie, if you've never seen it, it is, I think, a great, good, bad Christmas movie. I can't believe it exists. <laughs> yeah, me neither. <laughs> but no, so uh, Ambidotter's Jug Band Christmas and Santa Slay. That's, uh, that's a double feature, all right. That's something. Holy shit. Yeah, and we'll be getting into all of that right after this. This is Kermit the Frog, and I'm here to tell you the story about Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. Monday at 8, 7 Central, a special holiday treat for the whole family, when Jim Henson's marvelous Muppets bring Christmas to Frogtown Hollow in Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. Good night. 
And we are back from our rousing holiday double feature. Yeah, it was something. I think what we can agree is definitely at least the better half of this double feature. The holiday special M and Otter's Jug Band Christmas. And now, a bit of backstory for this is when we were planning this episode out, I was talking with Adam, and I was saying, well, yeah, we can do, like, obviously holiday films, but also we can open that that up to TV specials if you want. And you were like, yeah, I guess, but... I usually hate holiday specials anyway. I think they're pretty shallow. Was that misquoting you, or was that very accurate? That's pretty accurate, yeah. Plus, I already, you know, I look at it like this. I already threw in my one holiday special already. So. <laughs> That's true. The last time we did a holiday special was the Star Wars holiday special. Recently celebrated its 40th anniversary. We all hope you have a, a great life day. We yeah, absolutely. You, obviously. You all wore the robes and sang that weird song to the Star Wars theme. I don't know why. So you're not a fan of holiday specials in general, Adam. Mm-hmm. I just find them all usually pretty hokey. I'm not necessarily a bah humbug sort of person, but I also don't like it shoved down my throat. Right, which is why, honestly, when I heard that, it stirred my own sort of inner holiday special. I'm like, I gotta show Adam the true meaning of Christmas with a great <laughs> holiday special. Um, so I did rack my brain a bit, but admittingly, I can agree with you that aside from, like, there are certain, like, a handful of ones, obviously, they play a lot and still have their charms and they're still resonant despite being overly commercialized. Like, you know, an original Grinch or Charlie Brown. They're the ones oh, yeah, the main sure, sure. Yeah, but when it got to, you know, everything has a holiday special, you're like, isn't that kind of lessen it a bit if everyone tries it, right. to it doesn't special. make it special anymore no That's right for damn sure. well would you say at least uh Aminata's jug band christmas was a bit special all right a couple things one is this is the first time i've even seen this or even when you told me what you picked i had to ask you four times what the hell it was <laughs> yes um two i am not as huge of a muppet fan as mm-hmm. you are yes so i definitely think that maybe colors it a little different for you but maybe not i don't know I appreciate it for what its intent was, especially as it was basically like a test run to see if they could handle the mechanics of doing a full-length Muppet movie. Right. But I got to be honest, man, I found it kind of dull. The the puppetry was great. The character design was really good, especially on like the snake. I thought Mm -hmm. he looked really good. I don't know, man. It's not, I don't know necessarily found it. Well, I guess dull is the proper word. It, it's it not very flashy at all. It's a very sort of humdrum special in terms of like yeah, there's not it's a lot kind of flash. Of depressing. Oh no, I I don't necessarily disagree because uh, <laughs> we should probably set the stage a bit if you haven't heard of this because it's a more relatively obscure special. Eminem's uh, Jug Band Christmas was a special that aired in December of 1977 that was directed by Jim Henson. Um, has a lot of the people who were involved in the Muppet Show around. And as you kind of mentioned, this was their test run to attempt to do a Muppet movie, because a couple of years later, they would have a Muppet movie. And also, it feels very much like a test run for Jim Henson just doing a movie that doesn't have, like, a human interacting with the Muppets. Because this is all puppets, there's no human character. Which worked fine. Right, yes. Um, And uh, the basic story is uh, Emmett Otter is the titular Otter. He's a young boy who is uh, living with his mother in this sort of southern town they are very much barely scraping by making money. They literally make the most money off doing odd jobs, which includes mm-hmm. like washing other people's clothing, building fences. And they decide one year that around Christmas time, it's like, you know what? Because they both love music. That's their big connection. That was the connection they have with the father of the family who passed away. And Emmett wants to get his mother a piano because they used to have one, but they had to sell it off. And then she wants to get Emmett this guitar that they find at a music store in town. With pearl inlay. (laughs) Yes, with pearl inlay, because it's the 70s. (laughs) (laughs) They both realize, like, okay, we have to sacrifice something in order for this to happen. She hawks the tools that Emmett uses to fix things in order to get a dress for this talent show, where the big prize is $50, which Mm -hmm. I love. That's what they're aiming and striving for, is for $50 to buy each other a gift. And he... Does puts a hole in the wash tub she uses to clean things um, in order to make this <laughs> jug band instrument, which I I love how homemade and crappy all of those oh, look. Yeah. And that's that's yeah. what I really like about this special a lot is it feels in a way that like you mentioned the whole crass commercialism angle of a lot of TV specials. This one feels a lot more honest to me. 
I believe this world, not just because of like the way Jim Henson you know, sort of builds the sets and everything, but these characters feel very honest and emotional, and I really got tied up in this very simple story. There's the point where Emmett actually puts the hole in the wash tub, and yeah. that honestly feels like that resonates. That's like you mentioned, it's kind of depressing, but it resonates. I will say one of my big positives about this was that yeah, it takes place during Christmas, and the whole goal is to get each other a Christmas gift. But never once is it like, and that's the true meaning of Christmas. Or, you know, right. you praise Jesus. There's, <laughs> there's none of that near. So that was kind of nice. Like, you know, there's no twinkling star that, you know, not where they have an epiphany. They don't see a comet. Like, is that Santa? Well, yes, Sam, it is. <laughs> you know, none of that shit. So that was kind of, I mean, it really was more of like, crazily enough, this almost like a family drama right? with otter muppets. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's very accurate. And I think that's, that's what's so endearing about it, really, is that you really get the sense of, like, these otters are struggling to get by, but they are endeared to each other. They still have, like, a sense of humor that combines them. I love the opening bit where they go over and the fox lady, who yeah. is clearly so much higher and mightier and has like these elaborate dresses it's just like oh well i'll make sure to deduct that when i pay you next week three days it's christmas i'd appreciate if you fell off the fucking pier (laughs) like i (laughs) i i love that because like it really builds up this world a lot more along with like clearly you can tell there's some limitations with the budget and also just some of the puppetry constraints like admittingly we can both agree lamest part of the puppetry is the marionettes are yeah awkward (laughs) super awkward but what i like about that is just on a perspective of like jim henson's career you can tell that like he obviously looked at that i've even watched like a behind the scenes documentary that basically confirmed this he was always upset with how the marionettes looked in this Mm -hmm. and he took that and that's why you get say kermit on a bike come the muppet movie because he saw the limitations there and then managed to up the technology and always innovate that's what i love about really tracking his career is seeing just, like, how he, there's certain pitfalls, and he's like, I can make that better. I can advance the technology, and then the next project just goes leaps and bounds beyond. Yeah, and I love that the fact that this is a 1977 made-for-TV special by Jim Henson, and it looks better than, like, anything, <laughs> like, non-Jim Henson even recently. Like, as far as the puppetry and this, the craft behind it and everything, like, that awful Melissa McCarthy movie. <laughs> the happy time murders yeah that fucking shit show <laughs> but i mean you can just tell that i mean the guy jim henson i mean the, there's no question the guy was a master of his craft mm-hmm. now i do have one question and this is just simple uh so i got the opinion in the beginning when they're rowing on the boat to take the fox or laundry uh that they were in like a swampy sort of area you know right. what i'm saying what swampy area do you know do you know of where like it freezes and stuff well, I mean, it's, it definitely has sort of like a Wind in the Willows aesthetic that I like with all the puppet characters and the sort of world that's building up here. But I, I think that also works because it feels sort of like not of any specific time and place. This feels like its sort of own alternate universe of sorts where there's like certain southern hospitality aesthetics, but also at the same time it freezes over, there's... Um, sort of the the ice flows and all that other stuff. I, I think that's what works about it, is that it has some of those aesthetic stuff, but it, I don't think this ever is supposed to feel like a specific place in America as much yeah, as maybe, Yeah, maybe I'm reaching a little too far <laughs> and it's a movie about, uh, again, otter puppets. Ot- otter um, puppets who have to face off against, like, you, you gotta admit, Adam, the, the River Bottom band. Nightmare Band's pretty great. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> Which, by the way, it, for those who have not seen the special, it is a uh, for an out of town band of different Muppet characters who they're like playing just one note off on Smoke in the Water. It's like ba 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 ba. It's totally the the Ice Ice Baby to mm-hmm. Smoke on the Water who's yep. under pressure for sure. <laughs> but they're great. I love the all that whole band. They're they're just great villainous characters that are very once again they're simple. But I just love how much characters infused within them particularly like you mentioned the snake character who's yeah, jim henson yeah oh that's jim henson no shit that's jim henson and how he plays off of especially the bear character who's frank oz um, yeah, that which, one got, yeah. <laughs> i'm hungry <laughs> <laughs> just they're, they're great villains to play off especially because they're a lot more flashy they feel very much of that specific time in the 70s too especially when they come on and i love the bear has like the elton john cape 
and shit yeah, on stage. Yeah, yeah that's funny. <laughs> I was wishing that there was going to be some like Cajun Gator Hunter character. I don't know why. <laughs> like the whole time, like when they're in the beginning, going, "Yeah, you go here, go play with your wash tub." That wouldn't be out of place at all. No, that wouldn't be. It would have totally worked. <laughs> but especially if he was an alligator, like that would have just been fantastic. But. No, man, the thing is, I don't want, it's not melodramatic, because it's not, nothing feels forced, mm-hmm. but it's fucking depressing. Like, once they start talking about Pa, and yes. how he was a snake oil salesman, and what was Pa's favorite song? And then they sing, she starts singing that song, and for a second there, I thought, like, it was going to be about how he went to heaven. I mean, that's kind of what it is, though, though, you're talking about when that's, the river meets the sea. Yeah, it doesn't say it. But I'm like, oh my god, dude, Jesus Christ. She's widowed and poor, and she's hawking her son's stuff to buy him another thing. Like, oh, good lord. (laughs) And even also Emmett is like, he has so much earnestness about just like, I want, like, Ma does so much for me, and I feel, you know, like I always get in trouble, I always screw up. And I don't want to do that to her. That's the thing is, like, I agree that it's kind of depressing, but I think it just only adds to the ultimate ending that we get, which I I also love the fact that they get their happy ending, but it's not by winning the talent contest. I think that's genius the way that's done. especially a job. Right, by by getting a job, but it's a job doing something that they love doing, of making music. Mm -hmm. And the fact that just the, the way that it culminates where it's just Alice realizes, like, you know what, boys? We should combine our songs, because they're both missing something. And then that's what signals, like, they it's heard outside, and the guy who runs the restaurant is just like, yeah, well, come on and perform. The one thing I did really like, too, about the uh, conclusion is that Emmett even notices, like, you know, we're not good at odd jobs or anything like that. This is what we're good at. Well, you know, Emmett, you're right. And I love it. <laughs> I love when the, he's like, you know, come work tonight. And that one idiot who likes mashed potatoes. <laughs> it's so hillbilly. It's not, it's not like tarnations, but it's close. He's like, oh, tarnation! That's also, that's Dave Goals, and this is interesting because he would obviously be more famous for doing Gonzo. This is one of his earliest productions because he was somebody who came out of, like, the puppet-making part, where, like, they were actually the puppet craft, and Jim Henson was like, hey, you have a talent, like, let's actually see you do something, and he did Gonzo for the first, like, couple scenes of The Muppet Show. This is, like, his, like, second project that he was actually kind of involved in, and I love the chemistry he has off of Emmett, with stuff like, oh, hey, we could get um, 50 cents and you'll get half of it. Yeah, half of 50 cents. Hey, look, Ma's at the talent show. Yeah, and she's better than we are. <laughs> and all your meals will be free. You got mashed potatoes? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and what's great is that they do such a great job building these characters up in a very short special. It's only about 50 minutes long. Yeah, without commercials and stuff, yeah, it's 50, it's literally, I think it's like 50 minutes and 17 seconds. Yeah, um, and we should also know, we watched, interestingly, um, the uncut version, mm-hmm. because when this originally aired, they had segments where Kermit the Frog would come in, and introduce like, hi-ho, here's Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas, and because when Disney bought up the Muppet characters to the Jim Henson production, cut them out, and that was honestly what I was more familiar with versus this version, which I just found in certain places that we totally are legally watching it on. Did that distract you? No, it didn't really distract me because it's Kermit, dude. When is Kermit? Kermit's awesome to see. Mm-hmm. It didn't bother me. And he's only in it, like, what, three times, I think? Yeah, he shows up at the very beginning and gets harassed by the river bottom near, <laughs> band. Near, like, the middle, or mm-hmm. at a little bit, like, three quarters of the way, and then the very end. Yeah. That's it. I mean, and plus, dude, it's smart to use Kermit because it's a Jim Henson special. Kermit was, like, you know, Kermit the fucking frog. So you throw him in and it's familiarity for people. If I was a kid, I might've been a little bit disappointed. Like, why is it Kermit in more of this? <laughs> I mean, no, I didn't really distract me to distract you. No, I mean, not really. I think it's, it's fun seeing him there, especially when he gets harassed by the river bottom boys at the right. very beginning. Um, and he gets his scarf stolen. <laughs> um, I, I thought that was pretty fun. Um, but, but no, I think it's, it's pretty much, it's just, I, I would love almost the, the in-universe thing is Jim just called up Kermit just like, hey, Kermit, I've got this TV special. Could you do me a solid? Okay, sure. It's, <laughs> I love it, it, it's, That's what it feels like. Yeah, he's, you know, he's doing a favor for his buddy Jim. Yeah, he's hooking him up, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put some star power in here. I'll work for scale. 
I mean, oh. he gets to it. He gets to a fucking accident in the first ten seconds. Yeah, oh, he does his own stunt work, of course. I mean, it's yeah, right. Of course, he's Kermit. <laughs> I mean, he always does that. Um, but what did you think of also the? We, we mentioned this is a test run for the Muppet movies, and this was the first time Paul Williams wrote music for a Jim Henson production. Uh, do you like at least the songs in here? They're okay. I I, th- I think they're ultimately kind of forgettable. But my kid was watching them, and then when. Uh, Emmett's band played the talent show. She was fucking jiving to it. <laughs> and when they were done, she was clapping her hands and stuff. So, I mean, obviously, <laughs> it works. You know, it works for kids. I just, I, again, maybe because I'm in my mid-30s and just now seeing this, I'm not as beholden to it as maybe I, I would have been if I saw it when I was a kid. If I if I saw this when I was a kid, I'd have loved it. Mm-hmm. There's no question. Yes. Let's put it this way. Whatever gripes I might have about this movie, this movie is very cute. And it's got a heart to it. Like, that's one thing I can say about this uh, against other holiday specials. It doesn't feel like a soulless just cash-in. Almost like a test run or a pilot, you could even call it, in a way. They still took the time to give it some gravitas. Right, it's very sincere, which is something okay. you don't really get a lot in these holiday specials. Because it's, it's like we mentioned earlier, it's, it can be very crass, it can be very cold. It's just, let's promote a product, our show, or whatever. Whereas and they this... all end the same way. Yes. They really do. You know, that's the true spirit of Christmas. And this one you has know? that, but in a much more clever and a much more, you know, mixed bag of a way. Where it's like, it's getting that true meaning of not just Christmas, but just like family and what it means to actually have hard work and a good work ethic to what you want to do. And then you right. can get that if you like show off and you really practice and you really do what you love and showcase it with people that you love. Right, yeah. Mom and Dad don't get back together at the end of this one, which A would be an impossibility. Unless this turned like Pet Cemetery really hardcore, which would be interesting. Oh my God. Last five seconds, she's like, "Look, Ma, who's in the crowd? It's Pa. He's a zombie." Yeah, you uh, you don't you don't want to go down that road. <laughs> Sometimes the uh, dead is better. I don't know, man. It, it's brief. I'll tell you that it does go by pretty quick. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's only fifty minutes, but yeah, I mean, you can't help. But kind of smile at some of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, even if you're like me and, and not necessarily beholden to it for any nostalgic or even I like puppetry work and everything, but I don't necessarily uh, analyze it or anything as close as maybe you do. Mm-hmm. But uh, there are certain scenes where you just got to smile. I mean, you really do. No, and the thing is, I didn't see this until actually I was in college. I'd heard about this special before, just because, you know, I'm a fan of Jim Henson, but I'd never really seen it. And I think even still then, it was one, I agree, very cute. But I think what really did strike me was just how very honest these characters felt, despite being, you know, fucking sock puppets. That's what I love about, you know, any Jim Henson production, is when these performers can infuse a lot of character, even in small people. Like, I love the mayor who runs the talent show, who wants to put on a good professional show. And he's like, he's like, let's separate everybody out, boys on the side, girls on the side, and splits up the horse. Just right, stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. And even when like they're practicing the other song in the alleyway, he's just like, come on, you're gonna miss your cue. We want this to look professional. It's like it's a fucking talent show. Calm down, dude. <laughs> right. And even how they utilize certain puppetry techniques in there as well, like when they have the people on the stage that are clearly using like the black light matted stuff, and it's pretty yeah. seamless without like actually you don't see people in black mesh. And all that stuff. Right. But even just like some of the technical stuff of like, I really do love how this feels like a very lived in world. There's a shot where they're like, have Emmett rowing on the boat, which Mm -hmm. especially like for the seventies, just like, holy fuck, how'd you do that? (laughs) Um, But also as he's, they're going down the river, they're actually having the sun set. And apparently that was literally, they created a rig to make the sun go in a circular motion around the set and set, like on a it's, clockwork. Yeah, it's it works so well. Sort of the orange glow of it and the tint of it, and it's progressively going as they go down each section of the river. Yeah, and you know the thing is too. After sitting here talking about this, and I, I'm going through the workflowy and things, I'm not a hundred percent certain, but I think either I or my brother had the book. Watching it, I'm like, I I, I don't know it. But there was some familiarity there, and I, I think we had the book. Because as far as I remember, it was a pretty popular children's book. Yes, uh, by Russell Hoban and Lillian Hoban. I hadn't actually heard of the book before, but they I'd seen like pictures and stuff. And it feels like a sort of Wind in the Willows, timeless little tale for like a kid to attach to. Right, exactly. 
you know, showing this to my daughter, there wasn't one thing about this where I'm watching like, uh, I don't know about this or, uh, this might be a little over her head. I mean, and some of it, it would definitely over her head, but she could still watch it and enjoy it. So I think if you got a child or something like that, this would be a good one to show them that you wouldn't want to blow your brains out while watching. I think this one, it's cute. I feel bad because this is the good pick and I'm like, eh, but you know, I guess that's the point of the show. No, that's true. It wouldn't, that's what I like about doing the show is it's always just this random bit of chance and sometimes you like my good pick and it's or vice versa and sometimes it's not the case. And I, I don't know that we've ever liked each other's bad pick. Except when it was on like, you know, the Friday thirteenth or the Halloween. Because we picked those because they're unanimously bad, like everyone thinks they're bad, but right. I can't think of one episode where our bad pick one of us was like, No, that's really good. I like it. I don't know, that might happen in the future. That's just gonna happen at some point. <laughs> it will happen eventually. But yeah, I I think we'll uh, start going into final thoughts here, I'll say with uh Emanotter. Which is to say, I think this is one of my personal favorite holiday specials, especially it's a more relatively recent discovery for me. But I think just the genuine craft that's going on here, there's, we didn't even talk about this, but it also has, you gotta admit, one of the best outtake reels of all time. Yeah, that was so good. Yes, for those of you who don't know, look up the outtake reel, because there's a point where the Riverbottom Nightmare Band band is inside of a music store, and they're causing chaos, and Alice and Emma and are outside, and a drum rolls out, and that took so many takes, and there's a great outtake reel online of like, Frank Oz. 200 takes, dude. Yep. There were several, just to get it perfectly <sighs> right. And I love that apparently they did a test run that they didn't film, and that was the take Jim was the happiest with. <laughs> of course. So, so they just have this fucking drum rolling out, out, out all this time. And you have Frank Oz and Jerry Nelson just, like, riffing on it. Or just like... <laughs> damn you <laughs> why couldn't it be square <laughs> or whatever the <laughs> I love there's literally a point where they like sink down the puppets because they're resting their hands and Jerry Nelson's like spare change give something for me and my mom help my son please <laughs> stuff like that um, but it just shows how much real hard work blood sweat and tears went into all these different Muppet productions and I like most of the songs actually I think particularly the one the combination of the Our World song and Brothers when they come together. I think that's a great, sweet musical moment. Um, and then also the actual River Bottom Nightmare Band song that we were referencing. I love the lyrics of that too, where they just talk about, like, we keep our toothaches because they make us mean. It's, it's a perfect, silly, like, kid's version of, like, what a bully character would want to do. Mm-hmm. And even then, still, like, they're, they still have, like, other small, cool, innovative things. Like, Part of the River Bottom Nightmare Band is a fish who's always in a tank of water. No, it's a frog, isn't it? Well, no, it's a it's a fish because you kind of like see it going around. I it's, thought it's, it was a frog. I'm sorry. There's another frog. They don't look alike. At Jesus Christ! I know. You, there I am again. Fucking speciesist. Jesus. I, 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 uh, <laughs> um, but but no, like I love even that element of it. There's like so much had to go into that of like okay, we're gonna have him in some kind of version of water, which we have to ride around. How we're going to do this, like, oh, hey, they're on motorbikes, let's put them in a bucket and have it on little sleighs. Uh, but then also we have to have the guy put his hand through the set and then through water and then have this puppet in there in the back of a car, there, on the stage. It, there's so much, like, great little creative touches that add, one, just a simple joke. But then you also think about just like all of the creative ingenuity they had to go into doing that. I think it's a it's a great showcase for that and Jim Henson's boundless creativity and even how it had boundaries here that he would break past as he went along his career. I mean, yeah, I, I can't really disagree with anything you said mm-hmm. as far as Jim Henson comes. I mean, because it's Jim Henson, dude. I mean, the guy's responsible for shaping how many childhoods at this point. Mm-hmm. and imagination and just craft and everything. I don't think this is bad because mm-hmm. it's not bad. It, to call this bad, then you literally are soulless. I just didn't connect with it on the way that I wanted to. But I also had kind of a rough day and everything like that, so maybe I was just not in the right mindset for it. I mean, who knows? But despite all that, there's no denying that this movie is just full of heart. And the idea of coming together and weathering the storm together no matter what happens and just family and you know patience and taking care of each other no matter i mean christmas that's the thing too 
it is a holiday special, but it doesn't feel necessarily like a holiday special. Yes, Christmas is the whole reason for them entering the talent show and trying to win the money and buying the presents and blah, blah, blah. But like I said, it's never forced on your throat. There's no, you don't really see Christmas trees and... Well, you, you know, they have the Christmas branch, which is speaking of the sadness right. element of it. It's just like, we might not have presents right. to go underneath, but we have our Christmas branch. It's like, oh, God. Right. But there's no Santa. There's no, you know, none of that shit. There's, like I said, no twinkling star or comet or the reindeer and or the, you know, space phenomenon. It's it's a sweet little movie. I honestly think that I could do for a rewatch on this one. And as you mentioned, your daughter was consistently engaged with it. Oh, she was totally into it. Oh, yeah, she was totally from from opening scene to well, about forty minutes in, because then you know she had to go be a maniac somewhere. But she always came back and watched it though. Like she was fascinated by it. You know, like I've watched some of the Muppet movies and stuff, and she's fascinated by it. You know what, Adam? That just makes my heart grow three sizes. I might have a problem. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> I might want to go to the doctor immediately. But before I do that, speaking of, you know, heart and sincerity and joy, let's suck all of that out and talk about Santa's sleigh. Santa Claus is not a myth or a legend. He's real. Only he's not bearing gifts and presents anymore. I'm just trying to spread a little yuletide fear. This holiday season, lock your doors. Bolt the windows and block the chimney. Cause naughty or nice, Santa Claus is coming to town. Santa's sleigh. Yes, there is a Santa Claus. All right, so. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No, you go ahead. This was your pick. Keep going. Go ahead. Totally my pick. I had only seen bits and pieces of this movie. I for. I mean, God, what came out in, what, mid-2000, 2005, I think, 2004, yep. around there. So I've seen bits and pieces of it here and there, especially because I was I was really into wrestling when I was younger. So, like, Goldberg, I'm like, oh, my God, hell yeah. I didn't realize, because I've only seen bits and pieces of it, that this was supposed to be a comedy. Yeah. And I am so sorry. Yeah, you should be. <laughs> oh, boy. So, uh, a, a bit of set dressing for this. Um, Santa Slay is, uh, as you mentioned, a comedy. It's also a horror film. One of those horror comedies the kids I thought it was a horror about. movie. I honestly thought it was a horror, like just straight up horror movie. Mm-hmm. And it's not. I mean, there's no horror to be had in this. It's, no. I mean, there there are kills, because, I mean, the basic premise is that uh, Santa, in this case, is, as you mentioned, played by wrestler Bill Goldberg, and is actually, in this universe, the son of Satan. Oh, my God. Clever. Uh, so clever. Uh, um, and the the point is that he has been basically forced to be the jovial Santa due to a bet with an angel um, that in a curling contest. <laughs> I was gonna say because this like, movie's so super good. Canadian, and he is forced to uh, be the jovial Santa we all know and love for like that a thousand years. But that thousand years is up, and now he is back to being the evil, destructive demon that he once was, and he is off to kill. Um, at his own whim, and uh, we mainly follow a young kid whose grandfather, played by Robert Culp, uh, the, the cast is really fucking weird, and we're going to talk about that, uh, who has a deep connection to the Icelandic lore that re- this resulted in, and yeah, he has to face off against Santa and run into a bunch of celebrities that show up in this movie. <sighs> this movie's fucking garbage. It's mean-spirited, what? unclever garbage. Yeah, no, it is. It's pure shit. The fucking cast, like you said, what? <laughs> well, especially when, like, the movie opens on a sudden cameo fest in which a family that hates each other is eat- sitting down for Christmas dinner, and the head of the family is James Kahn, his bitter wife is Fran Drescher, and... The guy who I think is dating one of the daughters, but also is coming on to Fran Drescher, is Chris Kattan. Yeah, and the other daughter is Rebecca Gayhart. Right. The one that he's married to. Yes. Or with, or whatever. Well, I think the reason for what you're talking about, Adam, is uh, the writer-director is David Steinman, who you wouldn't know because he hasn't made anything before or since. But before this, he was the personal assistant of a certain powerful producer, Mr. Brett Ratner who bankrolled this project oh, and clearly called in a lot of favors. 
Oh my god. And you can tell that the Brett Renner's involved um because it's a very gross and sick attempt at like really bad titillation. Like this feels like a girl's gone wild video as a movie. At certain points. <laughs> yeah, no, that's very true. There's there's a, some very gratuitous nudity in it. And there's a lot of like anti-Semitism in it. Which is weird because it's a very Jewish cast, including Bill Goldberg. Almost, yeah, it's like, dude, it's like 75 to 80% of the cast. I don't understand. It's like, I, I hope... guess you're trying to do like a Mel Brooks thing where you're doing Jewish maybe, jokes. but Maybe, but the jokes weren't coming off as jokes. It was just coming off as mean-spirited. Yeah, especially with like Saul Rubinek's character, who's the Jewish guy that owns the deli, and you get stabbed with a menorah. Which, I'm not like, I'm not necessarily against like a bitter, iconoclastic Christmas horror-themed movie. No, no, not sure. at all. Right, I mean, like, I can enjoy A Silent Night, Deadly Night as much as one can. Um, or, yeah, you know, like, I love Gremlins, I love Krampus was a recent one that I dug yeah, the hell Krampus out of. Krampus is cool. Yeah. But those movies, one, had some kind of heart you could actually get behind. And two, more importantly, when they were kind of bitter and cynical, they had, like, a point. Versus this right. movie feels like it's really trying to push an edge that's just like, what's the point? What are you getting out of this? I don't know that they knew what the point of this movie was. I, <laughs> I mean, it's kind of hard to talk about because there's nothing in this that's enjoyable. Like, Goldberg is is just terrible. Like, I, I want to ask about this because I'm not as big a wrestling person. I've seen mm. Bill Goldberg in a couple things. Like, yeah. But, you know, as not someone who might not be a wrestling person, I can still respect and kind of have an endearance toward the personalities of a wrestler. Like, obviously, a Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Andre The Giant, sure, you know. Sure. What is the attraction of Goldberg in wrestling? Because I don't get it from his movie. Goldberg's whole character in wrestling that he was like a silent, just tough guy. Mm -hmm. He'd come in and what they call squash matches. I don't know if you're aware of that term. No. Where he'd come in and just beat somebody and pin them within like 30 seconds to a minute. Okay. Like nobody could touch him. And he had an unbeaten streak that went like well over 100 matches where nobody could beat him and blah, 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 blah. That was his shtick. Not talking, and now you kind of understand why. Anytime he opens his mouth, it is just nails on a chalkboard. He he can't build up any kind of fun, intimidating menace as Santa, because, like, this movie, this concept rests so hard on who your Santa is. Because the gimmick is just, oh, it's Santa Claus, and he's out there murdering people. He's this big, tough, crazy murderer who makes puns about Christmas and shit like that. You could maybe make that work... But Goldberg just isn't that guy. Anytime he says a line, it feels just like, oh, honey, are you on stage? Is it your first time? He's terrible. I mean, he's terrible. But the thing is, nobody in this cast is good. There's not one, like, shining light out of this whole cast. I, I mean, I'll maybe this is just the Stockholm Syndrome uh, of the movie uh, talking. <laughs> I'll give Robert Culp, I think, was kind of trying. The grandfather? I thought he was kind of trying to do something versus yeah. no, like, like when Tiny Lister shows up, what clearly not fuck? doing anything. James Caan had, obviously, like, this is such a favor thing and he's waiting to get out of it. The most sincere moment from him is when he's holding that fork and he's just silently praying. <laughs> like, that's the, yeah, one of the few then, jokes then I kind of thinks, had in the movie. But then when he threatens Chris Catan, he makes, like, a homophobic joke. Oh, no, yeah, this whole movie's Homophobic's also... This movie's yeah. full of, like, homophobia, too. Yeah, dude. It's a really bad movie. And it's very, like you said, it's very negative and comes off cruel. And I just love that you brought up Tiny Zeus Lister, because why did he get excited over, like, $2.30? Like, you know what I'm saying? Where the kid ran out, he bought the gum, and he ran out, and he's like, oh, you change. And he got a Merry Christmas to me. It's like two bucks. Like, yeah, and there, and there's that the brief racism of the movie where it's just yeah. like, oh, I'm from the hood. You don't look like you're from this town. Oh, get the fuck! Come on. And that kid is also so terrible. He's such oh, a he's whiny. Terrible. He's this whiny, annoying dude who like through anything, anytime where like Robert Culp's kind of trying to be like, hey, look, here's like the important exposition you might need. It's like, ugh, why are you doing this, Grandpa? Ugh, why are we doing this? Ugh, what's going on? And also. Emily DeRaven, cute little Emily DeRaven's all over you, and you're, like, doing nothing. But but she's, like, making him grab her boobs, and... Yeah, you kiss like a guy. I mean, what? Like, oh my god, are you kidding me with this, dude? And he's just being, like, so much of, like, a whiny little asshole to everybody. And it's like, why do I, do I care about him? Also, I agree, Emily DeRaven's also just very much like a... 
boy's fantasy of what the hot girl next door would be. It's it's very much that. But at the same time, he's still just, like, so whiny and awful to everyone. It's just like, why are we following you? Why are you this chosen one? Because it's like you're inherited, I guess. I would have rather followed her. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. She had, like, a whiny boyfriend or something, but I don't know. It's just Nicholas Yulson. Yeah, the puns. Uh... The puns are so great. (laughs) So witty. Mm-hmm. And sharp. So many great comedic talents show up, and they are completely wasted. Like, we didn't even mention Dave Thomas of SCTV, what? given uh, nothing. Yeah, he's a, he's like a perverted priest. Yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> oh, and, not, and none of it was, like, even attempting to really be funny. He's just like a sleazy priest who goes to strip clubs, right. which, another factor, just on a craft level, such a poorly lit movie. Especially oh, it, in it, that strip club scene. It's just like, is this like a family restaurant or a strip club? Oh, I agree. Yeah, right. Exactly. It's like Applebee's. Um, With a red <laughs> gel light somewhere in the corner. <laughs> right. One thing, too, uh, you know the guy where he kicks the stripper pole up into the light and electrocutes him? Mm-hmm. That guy in real life is named Vince Russo. Now, Vince Russo was also involved in wrestling. Okay. Uh, during WWE's like Attitude Era, when Stone Cold Steve Austin was real big and all that, he was their head writer. And then he went over to the competition where Goldberg was and started writing for them and everything. Why he's in this movie, I don't know. Because as far as everything I know, that guy is like the worst human being ever. Bradner's like the moth to the flame for terrible yeah. people, I guess. It's, oh, 100%. I mean... <laughs> Like-minded people attract each other, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, terrible minds think alike. Right, exactly. None of the jokes landed. Not a single one. And even, uh, like, we're both horror enthusiasts, none of the kills are good either. You know what it is? It's like Friday the 13th Part 7 Syndrome, where you'll see Goldberg swing something, and then the next shot is the person with it in its eye. You never see it connect. You Which is weird, because it's, it's like a straight-to-video R-rated movie where you show tits anyway. It's just like, why not? Why not it's, go gory? Tits and f bombs. That's why. Ugh. To the fact where you have the kids and the grandma throwing f bombs. Like yeah. okay, this is just just such juvenile bullshit. You, you mentioned we mentioned the strip club scene. Santa coming in like ho ho hoes. Get it? <laughs> Wasn't that really yeah. funny when you first so heard that in like fifth smart. grade? And then him windexing the stripper pole. Oh yeah, great. I mean, it's it's not like, I don't expect every comedy necessarily to be highbrow, but I expect oh. it to be funny. I mean, at least get a chuck. If I would have even gotten a chuckle out of this movie, I'd have had better feelings about it. I did not even laugh once. And, I mean, we, and we've talked about this, that the worst kind of movie to watch is a bad comedy. Bad comedy or a bad horror movie, and this mm-hmm. is a combination of both. Yep, because you're not laughing, and there's nothing to make fun of, because no, it's trying to No, and there's nothing laugh. scary. No. What is scary about this movie? Nothing. No. It's just some big muscle-head bitch running around <laughs> trying to fucking kill people. Like, who cares? And once again, just making bad puns about, oh, like, oh, Grandpa got run over by a reindeer. Which is a goddamn bison, by the way. Yeah. Like, they couldn't even afford a reindeer in this movie. No. And, and even... Well, that's the thing, is honestly, the production level at least feels like, okay, this is above average like sci-fi channel original movie which is to say you could have at least made something clever i've seen more clever low budget productions this feels like david simon was just like given this resource and is just incapable of doing anything that works with it you can tell it's just like so ineptly put together and there's no idea it's so aimless and even at an hour 17 minutes it feels so long oh my god dude so I started it a couple nights ago, got about 25 minutes into it, and had shut it off. <laughs> so I'm like, I, I, dude, I can't fucking do this. Now, Battlefield Earth took me three days to watch, right? Right. And previously on Double Edge Double yeah, Hill. Yes. Dong, dong. This one took me almost four and a half days. And it's half the length. This is so unwatchable. Yeah. I was finding myself getting distracted by the littlest of things. Like, hey, wait a second. 
that blind looks like eggshell compared to the off-white. <laughs> where, where the wall is more interesting. No, that happened a few times. You know, when I was just in the middle of watching this and I was just like, God damn it, Adam, you piece of shit. I fucking hate you so much. There was a point where, like, for some reason he connects, like, the this factor of, like, oh, hey, I, I always grew up and I just got easy bake ovens. And she comes by with a Transformers toy that was a gun. And it's the most off-brand possible Transformers toy of all time. Uh, yeah. I mean, there were, Megatron was a gun. That yeah. was his toy. This was not that. No, it, it's it's a very realistic looking gun that happens to have transform into a toy. Oh my point. god. Uh, but th- that's what you focus on when there's just nothing. Even, there's a moment where you think like, oh, this is kind of clever. They're doing a stop motion thing. And it looks awful. It lo- no, it looks terrible. It looks, but you know what though? Even saying that, that was the most interesting part of the movie. Yeah. Which is really stretching, though, because it did look terrible. Of course, at the end, they got to have him wear a stre- like a sleeveless t-shirt to show off his fucking guns. Mm-hmm. For no reason. He's throwing the tops of trees like ninja stars and, I mean, b- breathing fireballs. I mean, what the fuck? This movie just made me kind of hate Christmas. Like, I think I gave up on Christmas now. <laughs> oh no, my attempts to make him realize the true meaning of Christmas are ruined. You had me for a minute until I watched this one. I'm like, oh, these otters really? You know what? I'm like Emmett. I need to reconnect with family. And then I watch this. You go, ho, ho, ho. Fuck Christmas, yo. Burn it to the ground. Burn it. <laughs> Burn it all. <laughs> I, You know, and I remember this movie was like, I don't think this movie has a cult following. God, I hope not. Good Lord. What does that say about cults? A lot of people know what this movie is, and I don't think anybody's really seen it, because if they have, nobody would talk about this. It, it feels definitely like it was one of the last vestiges of like the blockbuster era, where oh, people saw yeah. that cover that's like, oh, it's Santa with an ice pick, and he's going to like stab you. Which oh, Red eyes, crazy. Right. I could see somebody sure. being like interested in it. It's just like, oh, look, it's uh, saying as a serial killer. I'm Like I said, I'm not necessarily against doing that as an idea, but uh, to quote Steve Martin in Plain Streams and Automobiles, have a point. It makes it so much more right. interesting for the listener. <laughs> right. Because this doesn't have a point at all, except just to be crass for the sake of it. It's it's mm-hmm. what I talk about, like, you know, in this modern age, we get people talk about, like, oh, man, why is everybody so sensitive? What, what the PC police are out there. Subversive comedy isn't necessarily a bad thing if there's some sort of direction to it. If you're doing something, like, I mentioned Krampus. I mm-hmm. love how Krampus deals with sort of the cynical nature of a family get-together and how right. just everybody pushes off of each other with, like, David Ketchner and Adam Scott and Tony Collette. All of that set dressing works to make the horror that happens later mean something. Yeah, I agree. In fact, I'm I'm 100 behind you. I'm not even I'm not even against like offensive or non PC comedy. Just awful things. If it's done in a way that a it doesn't purposely come off offensive or to offend someone, or b if it makes sense in the context of the story. Like, you know what, you've mentioned one to me prior, this is one that we both mutually agree upon, The Ref. That is a yeah, great 100%. dark comedy set around Christmas that I would recommend 100%. to anybody. Yeah. I love that um, guy, You might need to get past Kevin Spacey being Kevin in Spacey, it. right. Right, but yeah. um, it's still, it's worth it just because, like, it's the best thing Dennis Leary's ever done. Lady, you slap that kid one more time, I'm going to shove that pig's head right up your ass. <laughs> Such, so great. And that, that's a movie that, like, we're mentioning, it's very dark, cynical, bitter, mm-hmm. but... It's really goddamn funny, and also it does have a point behind it. Yes. Uh, this does not. Santa Slay does not. No. At all. Uh, segue that into your final thoughts, Adam, on Santa Slay. Okay. I don't understand why this movie was made, and I don't understand why anybody would watch it, other than gluttons for punishment like myself and you. It's not funny. It's not scary. It's not even particularly gory. Like The gore that's in it is terrible. It's TNA for no reason. It's horrible acting all around. Even the cameos we mentioned, they don't give a shit. They're mm-hmm. in it for no reason. Like, James Conn does not care. No. Chris Kattan is just awful. Well, he's always been awful. But Regardless uh, of if he cares or not, he's pretty awful. Yeah, he's pretty terrible. Even if you're like a wrestling fan, and you're like, oh, Goldberg. Which, A, nobody cares about Goldberg anymore. But B, even if you are, don't watch this. 
this is a terrible, terrible film. It looks bad. The lighting's bad. It looks super cheap, too. Oh, uh, dude. Dude, the music is so intrusive and terrible in this movie. Oh, yeah. It's, it's so it, it, loud and bombastic. And, and it's also, like, terrible, like, Casio keyboard level synthesizer yeah, shit. it's really bad, dude. Like, whoever the local, you know, hip-hop artist selling is, you know, you want to buy my, you know, my mixtape outside your local Circle K. They got him to do the fucking soundtrack. It's terrible. It weirdly, ha- it has the music and the sort of visual aesthetic of a Hallmark Christmas movie. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Like, I'm expecting, like, Joey Lawrence to walk in at one point and, and you know, like, whoa, Christmas, cool. But, um, God, I hate this movie. <laughs> like, it's just, this oh. is definitely one of the worst ones we've done for the show. Oh, a hundred percent. It's in the top three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is just, this is not good for anybody. No, um, it, it's definitely not recommended in uh, your Christmas diet, uh, for sure. I mean, I, I agree with a lot of that. I'll just add, fuck you. Um, but... <laughs> Deserved. <laughs> the big thing is, it's weird how Canadian this movie is, with, like, there's Zambonis, there's Dave Thomas, they say A a lot, yet it's the m- most cynical I've ever seen a Canadian production be. And right. without any reasoning, without any genuine heart to it, or like any even dark satirical point that it's going for, it's just we want to push the boundaries of comedy, guys. Right? It it feels very much like the fact that Brett Ratner produced this makes it almost kind of like it is the pillar of what he brought to cinema. It is. Yes. It's all of Brett Ratner's worst sort of impulses that have bled out into, like, especially, like, big, huge mainstream comedies like the late 90s through the 2000s just put onto one vial. It's like all that just was sucked out from Brett Ratner's anus and just put onto the screen to produce this. That's what this is. Just awful. And like like we mentioned, you might be enticed by the idea of, like, oh, Killer Santa, watch any Silent Night, Deadly Night movie. Yeah, dude, watch Rare Exports. Right, yeah, Rear Exports, um, we mentioned something like The Ref, uh, Krampus. Yeah. Krampus, yeah, watch Krampus. Oh my god, so so many, much better. I, I want to close on this, though. Given you're the wrestling guy, mm. who would be a better Killer Santa amongst the WWE set? Uh, you know it would be more fun to watch would be, of course, Hulk Hogan. Or even <laughs> Macho Man Randy Savage. I'm more with the Macho Man on that. <laughs> yeah, dude. Oh, yeah. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> like, yeah, dude. Snap it to yeah. your neck. <laughs> <laughs> I hit him with the elbow and I hurt him real bad. Snap to a slim jam. <laughs> like, yeah, dude. Mach, you can do this. No, Goldberg, nah. Nah. Hogan, Hogan I, because of Hogan now. Like, uh, he's racist. Yeah. <laughs> Even before we knew he was racist, there was also Santa with muscles, so... Oh my god, he did do that. Fuck yep. me. Oh no. <laughs> you well, know, let's that... put it this way, dude. No wrestler other than Dwayne Johnson should be acting. I will disagree because of Cena in recent years. Especially if you've seen Blockers, so fun. Yeah, He's such he a funny, funny goddamn fun. presence. Yeah, he was yeah. actually really funny in that. But, yeah, no, just don't, don't, just don't do this movie. Or get no. a better fucking script. No, I not necessarily don't do this premise, just don't do this particular version of this premise, which was right. garbage. And uh, that's the end of our whimsical holiday double feature. Um, I'm sure you're all so charmed by it as much as we were. <laughs> but uh, we have uh, some feedback to read. We asked all of you out there via the Facebook and Twitter page at DEDVPod about, hey, what's your favorite and least favorite holiday films? And uh, we got a few responses here. First, uh, from our buddy Shaquille Lambert says, uh, Home Alone has always been my go-to Christmas movie forever. That being said, very hot take alert, I hate Elf. Huh. Like, Home Alone, I mean, you can't deny Home Alone. Home Alone, the first one, is still just, it's such a fun movie. Yes. Um, I think Elf is cute. Also, like, our first uh, film has a lot of heart to it. Um, and right. it's a, a better James Caan. <laughs> well, that, that's true. I will say, though, my thing with Elf is more just, I think if it wasn't for Will Ferrell being there, that movie would completely fall apart because I yes. think he really is the glue. Cause everything else around it feels like it, it very underwritten, underwhelming, uh, but goddamn, he's so good. And that it's one of the he's few times really good, man. Well, Cause especially 
my hot take more with Will Ferrell is the fact that I rarely like Will Ferrell in lead roles. I okay, I halfway agree with you. I rarely like Will Ferrell in lead roles post Step Brothers. But even then, usually Will Ferrell like works best when he's part of an ensemble or in a smaller part. To me, that's true. No, like yeah, and Step like Brothers, it was him and Riley. So. Oh, and, the, and that's what works about Anchorman is everybody in that ensemble pulls their weight the whole time. Versus, mm-hmm. I I just think Will Ferrell, especially I agree when you have him sort of being on his own, something like uh, kicking and screaming, or even oh. you know when you got him playing off nothing like Blades of Glory, uh, Semi Pro has this problem too. You know, I actually kind of dug Stranger Than Fiction as well, though. No, right. Like I'm more saying his usual shtick of comedic roles. Right. I mean, I think yeah. he's a very talented dramatic actor, and I wish he did that more because he's oh. so Sandlerizing himself mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if you've seen that trailer for the Sherlock Holmes movie, that's oh my god, what the fuck! Such hot garbage. Yeah, it looks terrible. I hope that bombs enough to make him realize I should stop doing. This. Gotta stop. Yeah, I gotta stop. And stop right. dragging goddamn John C. Riley with you. He's way too talented for that. Way too talented. He's in a fucking Academy Award nominated actor. He's Wreck It Ralph. Fuck you, Will Ferrell. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna wreck it. Yes. But yeah, uh, Scott Crawford says, My go-to traditions are Christmas Vacation, Home Alone, and Gremlins. Holiday TV specials, if you want to call it, um, is the It's Always Sunny Christmas special. Um, one movie I can't stand, though, is A Christmas Story. I love A Christmas Story, but it definitely suffers the overexposure problem, obviously. Because every yeah. year it plays like 24 hours on Christmas Eve to Christmas Day. Th- that's a shame. It's it's kind of almost like the, the same syndrome that happens with like Best Picture winners to me. Where it's so sort of like talked about and revered that people are turned away by it versus like no this is a really great movie it's just that it has way too much attention on it for quite frankly the wrong reasons i agree i agree and for a lot of people you know it doesn't live up to the hype yeah it's always sunny christmas special i wouldn't even really count that i mean that was just an episode in december that's how i kind of looked at that one though that was Uh, really fucking funny though (laughs) it was really funny where he got he finally got him the coontash (laughs) <laughs> and, and and David Huddleston is so yeah. great. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I agree with the rest. Yeah, for sure. Heather Thomas uh, says, Christmas Vacation, of course, and Scrooged. Least favorite is A Christmas Story. I feel like it's everywhere I look this time of year. Um, exactly. Scrooge, don't sleep on Scrooged, though, if you've never Dude, seen I Scrooged. Dude, I love Scrooged. That was one of my favorites growing up. Well, hey, I, I just devoured anything of Bill Murray. And Dude, Christmas Vacation... I try to watch it once every Christmas season, if I can, and I still laugh at that movie. I don't know how you feel about it, though. Oh, I really enjoy it, too, yeah. I mean, I, my favorite's The First Vacation, obviously, but I, Christmas Vacation I too, is yeah. the only one that's really, like, that followed that has anywhere near close to that, because it's mm-hmm. it's a very honest movie about just the annoyances, but also the joy you get out of having the family over for Christmas. Right. Uh, like, there's so many great moments of just people kind of hanging around watching like it's a wonderful life it's like yeah that's extremely accurate oh <laughs> uh, not talking yep just watching that bitching about what are the other person's doing in the other room <laughs> you know, you know, are you smoking in her own house giving her shit <laughs> and it also has um one of my favorite older character actors of all time william hickey of course mm-hmm. always great love seeing mm-hmm. william hickey the so blessing just... <laughs> and of course playing off of uh, Mae Castell as well uh, the original yep. voice of Betty Boop interestingly enough yeah oh yeah um, the whole thing where she does the Pledge of Allegiance <laughs> so good and at the end and the rocket's red <laughs> really good uh, Ashley Kors says uh, best Christmas movie for me has got to be the infamous Jack Frost you know the one with Michael Keaton uh, also the animated classics like Rudolph and Santa Claus is coming to town. I also love Jingle All the Way because it gets a solid laugh session out of people who watch it. The most annoying holiday movie to me is basically anything on Hallmark or Lifetime. That needs to stop. Alright, well Jack Frost to me is awful. The creepiest do... snowman of all time. <laughs> of all time. And I don't like the old school like Rudolph and Santa Claus and you know, the Heat Miser, and all, I never got into those. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jingle All the Way is intolerable. With, aside from something like a Phil Hartman uh, coming in there, who's so funny. And, Your wife's cookies are just the best. Um, <laughs> uh, but that's a super crass commercial piece of shit movie. I mean, I remember I really liked the Rankin Bass specials when I was a kid. Um, and I remember there was just that Christmas where I rewatched them and like, man, most of these are pretty slow. 
my oh, favorite. Yeah, they're all slow and dull, dude. Every single one of them. Honestly, my favorites are when they just really went weird and where they were desperate. Like later on, they would do like. Rudolph's shiny new year where Rudolph ends up which is the weirdest thing where it's like he has to save the baby new year and he brings along with him characters he travels through time with like a caveman and a knight and it's just like what drugs were you guys on I want some this is right no shit or my favorite there's a one weird one that's like based off an L. Frank Baum novel and there's a council of immortals that are trying to judge whether Santa Claus can continue to be immortal or not this is a real thing it's, like, the life and times of Santa Claus. It's such a bizarre fucking thing. It starts off with, like, the meeting of, basically, like, the Fellowship of the Ring, where it's like, we must meet together in the woods to decide if Santa Claus is truly worthy of immortality. Jesus. It's fucking weird. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's like, imagine Santa Claus is coming to town, only, like, Tolkien is involved, basically. Good. Well, I mean, that might be actually entertaining. No, it's it's very entertaining just on a, like, how the fuck did they decide this was a good idea to do as a special <laughs> in the Rankin-Bass style? <laughs> Rachel Hillis says, I love Bad Santa, Elf, Home Alone, The Grinch Original and Carrie, and the Trailer Park Boys special. Oh, and Charlie Brown, of course. Uh, the ones I really can't stand are the most smaltzy ones. Home Alone doesn't count since it's about a home invasion. Especially, though, Polar Express. The backgrounds are well rendered, but the people's eyes are soulless and creepy. Yeah. I do like the original Bad Santa. Mm-hmm. Just as a crass movie. But that's I one like, that also has a heart to it. I like the original Grinch. I think the Carrie one is just a soulless piece of shit. Honestly. I, I can't stand it. It's a very ugly movie. It's horrible. Charlie Brown, sure, of course. And yeah, dude, the Polar Express, what a fucking misfire on that. Well, it's weird because like, that and the Jim Carrey Grinch have actually gotten a sort of nostalgic appreciation amongst kids like around my age, and I'm baffled by it. What? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a three-year-old, so she's a pure, innocent little angel of a baby. So I showed her both of these. Immediately lost interest in both. No, I've had that experience, too, where I've had, like, younger cousins who have watched, like, a Jim Carrey Grinch, and it's like, why do you guys like this? Like, I don't. I'm with you. The, yeah, no, the children are the true future. It's, it's just because yeah. we, we fucking grew up with it. Like, interestingly, I remember the Jim Carrey Grinch, I didn't see in a theater because I was terrified of how Jim Carrey looked. Understandably, because he's horrifying in that movie. He looks no, like a nightmare. He is. When you're a kid, he's horrifying. When you're an adult, the Who's are horrifying. Like, why would you put that makeup on them? And not to mention, it just loses the whole soul and point of the fucking 100%. book on every level. It's so fucking stupid and crass. And it's uh, just Jim Carrey hamming it up as much as possible. Yeah, which only has some sort of, you know, retrospective 2020 hindsight kind of thing when you when you see the Mike Myers cat in the hat and you're like, well, Whoa, this wasn't God. as terrible. <laughs> like, yeah. that's, that's literally it. I, and I haven't seen that new Bandit Cumberbatch shit. Because fuck Illumination. Why would... Why? I mean, okay, real quick. Why make another one? Because they made a lot of money with their Lorax movie, which is awful. That awful. is like one no, of... the Lorax is terrible. That was that, Illumination? Yeah, that was Illumination. The Despicable Me oh people. Yes. But uh, I will say, you know what? With Polar Express, that I agree that that's garbage. But I kind of liked Zemeckis' Christmas Carol. The Jim Carrey one. Right. I thought that actually worked surprisingly enough. Because you're giving Jim Carrey a different avenue to do, like, yeah. all this sort of where crazy you play stuff. a bunch of different characters. So well, and plus, not, I think yeah. that's one of the rare cases where that weird, creepy mocap style actually really worked for a character with Scrooge. He's, I think, brilliantly designed in that style. Our, our last bit of feedback here from Mallory Somerville says, Muppet Christmas Carol is the best Christmas movie ever made, and that's a fact. I mean, that's her opinion, so you can't really argue it. Mm-hmm. I guess. That is the fact that it is her opinion. Um, but I really like uh, that Muppet Christmas Carol. I, of course. Me too. I mean, how can you not? Yeah. Michael Caine's delightful interacting with yeah. Muppets. I, it's not my favorite Christmas Carol, though. I would. So, I, what is, what's your favorite Christmas Carol? Hmm. I liked the one with Patrick Stewart. I would definitely recommend the George C. Scott one from the 80s. Is oh my god, really that's the best good. one. That's no, really good. No, you're 100% right. That's the best one. That's the one I grew up with. Man, there's just a point where he's looking at his younger self fucking up. And you just see so much pain in that dude's face. It's so good. George C. fucking Scott, man. Yep. He never phoned it in. Even in a really bad movie, he never phoned it in. 
if you think like, oh, I've seen every Christmas Carol adaptation, seek out that one. And the, and the, the faux one in Scrooge is really fun, too. Well, that's true, yeah. So th- thank you for all your feedback. Uh, we also want to thank Chris Oliver for the music used in our show. Listen to more of his music at chrisoliver.bandcamp.com. Uh, thanks to Emily Scarda for the art for our show. She accepts commissions at fiverr2rs.com slash eescarda. And you can also find us, as we mentioned, on the Twitter and Facebook pages we have at DEDBpod. And we post up every Monday the request for, hey, favorite, least favorite related to whatever topic we're doing in an upcoming episode. Uh, we recommend you all give us that feedback and any other stuff, uh, constructive criticism, anything like that, either there or at the email doubleedgedoublebill at gmail.com. Or uh, you can also check out um, individual accounts for us on social media, mainly me, on places like Twitter, at NotTheWho'sTommy. Um, I also do writing at MarianiThomas.wordpress.com. I do. And uh, you can also find Adam somewhere in the Christmas ether trying to find that true holiday spirit. Yeah, I was going to say mainly you. It's 100% you. No, it is completely <laughs> Yeah, you can't find me anywhere. <laughs> I mean, you can find me on Facebook if you search for my name. But, you know, Adam Thomas, what a fucking waspy name. There's hundreds of us. So, good luck. There are dozens of us. Dozens! <laughs> uh, but we also recommend you subscribe to us on iTunes, rate and review us to give the show more visibility. Uh, that always helps. Always gets them algorithms a-going and juicing and gets us uh, up to where people would be more likely to listen. But also, uh, we don't mention it enough, but we're also on Podbean. Uh, that's our main sort of source that you can find us at, and we're on the Podbean app. And also our YouTube channel, Double Edge Double Bill, where all of our episodes stream out. And, uh, fucking Spotify! Of course, that's Spotify, though! Yes, uh, though, as we close out, I think the true Spotification that we found is the meaning of Christmas, Adam, right? I'll kill your monster. Good night, everybody. Bye!